Well, it's a great delight to be with you insofar as I am with you. And I'm sharing from uh, Psalm uh, number, 30, uh, number 31. I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Must be a couple of years ago now, I was driving to the airport along the Tullamarine Freeway, which was then being uh, repaired and extended, so there was lots of traffic. I was running late as usual, and the uh, traffic was very crowded, and I could feel my panic level rising as the time got closer and closer to uh, the deadline for my flight. And you feel so powerless, don't you, in a traffic jam, because uh, whatever you do, you can't get out of it if you're in the middle of the middle of the middle lane. So as I felt my panic levels rising, I started, uh, I remembered a song we used to sing many years ago. I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. I wonder if you remember it. Um, <coughs> it goes something like this. I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. My times are in your hand. Well, I started singing this out loud and then I sang it even louder and then I adapted the words, not just my times are in your hand, but this journey's in your hand, this day is in your hand, this ministry is in your hand. And what a wonderful thing it was to say to God, indeed to sing to God, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. The wonderful thing was that as the more I sang, the more loudly I sang, the more my panic subsided. And I realized that if I did miss the plane, it wasn't the end of the world. And I relaxed, I became less angry, and my confidence and joy and God increased. So how kind of God the Holy Spirit to bring those words from Psalm 31 into my mind at that time. And I'm praying that during this sermon, God brings those words to your mind and heart as well, and that God, through his Spirit, will remind you of these words in weeks and months to come. Let's think about the psalm in which these words occur. They are a psalm of David. Uh, we read at the heading of the psalm. And as we look at the psalm, please notice the shape of the psalm. Uh, David is obviously in trouble, but he begins by, in the first uh, eight verses, trusting and praying to God. In you, Lord, I've taken refuge. Be me ne let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Notice in verse 2 he says, 
be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress. In verse 3 he says, since you are my rock and my fortress. So it's a wonderful mixture of saying to God what is true, you are my rock and fortress, but also asking that God will, uh, will be his rock and refuge and fortress. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. Verse 6, I hate those who cling to worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. I'll be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction. You knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. I want you to notice in those first eight verses the wonderful mixture of saying what is true to God, this is who you are, this is who you are for me, but also asking that God will act on who he is and what he has promised to do. Then in the next verses, starting at verse 9, uh, David entrusts his griefs to God. Verse 9, Be merciful to me, God, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. You see, God is the rock and the fortress and the refuge, but this is what David feels like on the inside. My life, verse 10, is consumed by anguish, my years by groaning, my strength fails because of my affliction, my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbours, an object of dread to my closest friends, and those who see me on the street flee from me. And indeed, uh, David feels so much anguish, so much grief that he says in verse 12, I'm forgotten as though I were dead. I've become like broken pottery, discard a discarded mug. I hear many whispering terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. So although David knows that God is his rock and his refuge, he pours out his heart and his distress to God. But as he entrusts his griefs to God, he also declares his trust in God. For here are the verses I sang on that freeway. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I have cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and be silent in the realm of the dead. Well, David begins by trusting and praying, then pouring out his griefs to God. Then notice, in starting at verse 19, he begins to praise God, and this is the inevitable result of trusting in God and uh, handing over and entrusting our griefs to God. Listen to these wonderful words of praise. How abundant are the good things you've stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. 
You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm I said, I am cut off from your sight, yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. So David, first of all, trusts and prays to God, then he entrusts his grief to God, then he praises God, and in the last two verses of the psalm, he then encourages others with these wonderful words. Verses 23 and 24. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. And here's his final exhortation. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Notice the progress of the psalm. This is not a single theme psalm, but a psalm in which David grows, in which his experience changes as he turns to God, praises God, and then encourages others. So here's a psalm of David and a psalm about David. But if the psalm, this psalm is about David and a psalm of David, it is also then, of course, a psalm of Christ, great David's greater son. For Christ too was in anguish and in grief. And indeed, Christ used the words of this psalm on the cross. Verse 5, into your hands I commit my spirit. If David was a man who grappled with grief and trust and moved to praise, so too did the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember his words in the Garden of Gethsemane? Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. And then an angel in, from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. If David knew anguish, so did great David's greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in 1 Peter chapter 2 about the sufferings of Christ that he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That is, he trusted his heavenly Father, even as he went to the cross. And as you remember, remember in Hebrews, after the great list of the heroes of faith in chapter 11, the writer then turns in chapter 12 to the Lord Jesus, the greatest hero of faith. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Psalm 31 is a psalm of David, a psalm about David. But Psalm 31 is also, as we've seen, a psalm of Christ. 
a psalm about the sufferings of Christ, about Christ trusting his heavenly Father, about Christ entrusting himself to his heavenly Father. And because the psalm is about Christ, it's also about Christ's people, ourselves. Do you remember the words of C.S. Lewis? We praise what we enjoy because praise not only expresses but completes the enjoyment. The delight is incomplete until it's expressed. That is, if you feel praise for God, that in a sense is a frustration until you've actually expressed the praise verbally. If, you, if you're feeling thankful to God, there's a slight sense of frustration until you say, thank you God for that beautiful flower, that beautiful sunset, that whatever it is, whatever great joy you have. That is, we need to express what's inside us to build our relationships. It's a bit like human relationships. You know, you can have a kind of business meeting with somebody, but isn't it rather nice to have time to sit down with somebody and say, oh, it's great to see you again. For our emotions become more real to us and are shared with others when we verbalize them, when we externalize them. Well, C.S. Lewis has said that uh, praise is incomplete until it's expressed, but actually love is incomplete until it's expressed, isn't it? Trust is incomplete until it's expressed. Thanksgiving is incomplete until it's expressed. Repentance for our sin is incomplete until it's expressed. Obedience is incomplete until it's expressed. Now, the expression of these things may be physical expressions. Uh, you, can, you can express your love for someone by caring for them. But it's actually really important as well, not just to care, but to say that you love them. A friend of mine said to her husband, look, we've been married for 30 years, but you never say that you love me nowadays. And he said, well, I've been with you for 30 years. Isn't that enough? Well, the answer is, no, it isn't actually. We have to say, I love you, as well as express our love in action. Here's a good motto, do it, say it. Trust God, do it, and say it to God. Praise God, praise God by the way you live, and express your praise to God out loud. Say it. You're sorry for a sin, turn away from it, but also tell God that you repent. I trust in you, O God. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. I wonder what your praying is like. Is your praying praying which comes out of trust or out of worry? I, I know what it is to do worrying praying. Indeed, 
some of the most damaging praying I do is worrying praying. I remember I used to pray last thing at night and in doing so I'd be worrying about the things I was praying about and thus lie awake worrying about them for the next hour or two. But what I've learned to do when I pray, uh, particularly about big issues in my life or big issues in the world around me, is to begin my prayer by saying to God, I trust you. Here are the, some of the things I say to God, I trust you. I trust you as the loving creator of the world. I trust you as the just ruler of the world. I trust you as the just judge of all people. And I trust that you'll bring glory to yourself in the church and in Christ Jesus. And I say to Jesus, I trust you as the saviour of the world. I trust you as the saviour of your church. I trust you as the head of your church, the Lord of your church, the judge of your church. I trust you as the one who will come to judge the living and the dead. I do trust God, but if I express my trust, my trust, if I say it, then my trust in God increases and grows and is strengthened. I heard uh, a sexologist called Patricia Werricoon talking recently. A sexologist is somebody who considers sex, as you might imagine. And Patricia, who's a fine Christian and uh, has a wonderful wit as well, was uh, talking to a group of young people. I was there by accident. Uh, and she was saying how difficult it is, you know, when you're young and your husband or wife is trim, taut and terrific, how easy it is to love them. But as you get older and they get older, you become, uh, as it were, less, possibly anyway, less physically attractive. And she said, the great way to increase love is to express it. Indeed, she used the expression, kiss the frog, which I think is probably taken from one of those stories where there's a prince who's been turned into a frog and the princess kisses him and he returns to being a wonderful young man again. But she said, the more we express physical affection, express fiction, affection physically and verbally, the more we will increase it. So if we don't touch people and don't say to them, uh, I love you, then our affection and love will decrease. But if, if when we're allowed, uh, when we're allowed a little less social distance, if we do touch people and say to them that we trust them and love them, then we will increase that trust and that love. Well, I want to encourage you not only to trust God, but to say to God that you trust him and then to put that trust into practice. And I want to say to you that if your faith is wavering a bit and you're finding it hard to trust God, if your natural tendency is at the moment uh, not to trust God fully, the best thing to do is to say to God, uh, I want to trust you, please increase my trust in you and then you can say to God, and I do trust you, because 
really there's nobody else you can trust at any time, let alone in times like this. And notice that David's trusting God also means telling God the things he's frightened about, his griefs and worries, entrusting them to God, then praising God because God is a trustworthy God and a merciful God and will hear and answer his prayer. And then when David has, is about to complete his prayer and this psalm, then he can say to others, Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. You know, if you're in a crowd and you panic, panic spreads through a crowd uh, like a bushfire. But if you're in the midst of a crowd which is in trouble and you don't panic, you trust, then your trust will warm and encourage and strengthen and give courage to others. The more we trust God, even in the most difficult circumstances of life, the more we'll be a beacon of light to others to trust him as well. May these words be in your heart and in your memory and on your lips. I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Let's pray together. O God, our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are indeed a rock of refuge and a strong fortress for your people. We thank you that you rule all things in heaven and on earth. And we thank you that all things work together for good for those who love you and according to, according to your purpose. We thank you for your great and precious promises in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that through all your words to us in the scriptures, you invite us to trust in you. So may our lips and our lives and our hearts respond to you with trust and confidence. We trust in you, O Lord. We say, you are our God. Our times are in your hands. Amen.